0: Hey, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast, Scott Linden here, hope you're having, well for most of us, uh, the tail end of the season, Uh, hoping to work all the way to the end of it myself here, and uh, maybe you are too, so good luck on that. We got a great show in store for you. Chucker hunting seems to be one of those things that intrigues a lot of people, whether they'll go or never go. Well, I've got a, a great guest in store for you, a professional chucker guide, going to give us all his secrets, well, some of his secrets. Grant Ritchie runs chucker hunts in Hell's Canyon. Yeah, probably the chucker hunting hot spot here in the West, and uh, we'll get an uh, on-the-ground look at that place and all the things that will help you become a better hunter no matter where you're going and what you're shooting at we'll also have our handle it training segment uh, what praise isn't and we talk with you about your dog's new year's resolutions for you it's all made possible by sage and breaker gun care products pointer shotguns mid-valley clays and shooting school TruLock choke tubes MidwayUSA.com and FindBirdHuntingSpots.com Had a fascinating trip down to a place. Well, I talk about it a lot because I go there a lot. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful when everybody knows your name. And I don't mean it cheers the bar, but that's good too. But when you go to places where people know you, trust you, and uh jake i want to thank you down there for putting us into a spot uh last week that uh, i'd never have thought of going this is um near a very small town and if you went to a certain spot just north of this very small town uh we would find huns he said yeah, well, you know, it's been a couple good years for Huns, so we took him at his word, and on the way home on that trip, we uh, we pulled over, let the dogs out, put a couple shells in the gun, and walked up that draw. First point of the day, yes, indeed, missed. <laughs> But had a great time chasing valley quail after that. It was wonderful. And uh, Flick, man, you are such a good dog these days. I cannot believe how well you're doing. Good boy. Well, enough about my hunts. I hope you're doing well. I know there's a lot of New Year's resolutions uh, in the planning stages right now. And I thought that would be a great question. But a little bit different. Ask your dog what he would resolve if he could make your resolution for new years and here are some of your responses jeff johnson says let's go chucker hunting well his dog says that but jeff probably had to take dictation on it but anyway yeah okay we will jeff in just a moment michael Augello. his dog wishes that he would practice shooting more often david gilbertson let's not even talk about this but yes you're right um yeah keeper and uh You and I and Flick. Even as both of us age, let's enjoy these last hunting adventures. That's pretty, pretty cool. More adventures for Janice Jursa and her dog, Wanda Galford. Her dog wants you to sit and cuddle with him more and stay in one place so he can sleep. Yeah, you know, I feel a little guilty about that myself once in a while, Wanda. You know, he gets settled in and then all of a sudden I get up and do a chore he's got to curl around a couple more times and then find the perfect spot uh, George Cummins, you, you're you a working kind of guy you're never going to quit your job and stay home I don't care what that dog says David Bayer wants, his dog wants you to get him into more birds more often uh, shooting lessons, shooting lessons, shooting lessons, more hunt. well, you get the idea yeah, and it's so true, isn't it? especially this time of year. I'm already working on it. I'm looking at next year. And in fact, here's my request. Um, If you don't mind, I'm looking for a winter headquarters uh, for Valley Quail, maybe Chuckers. So um, if you got someplace nice and warm without snow on the ground in January and you wouldn't mind suggesting a general location, I'd sure appreciate it. Reach out to me. Facebook page is a good way to do it. Or Scotland and Outdoors at gmail.com. I'll buy a beer. All right. Well, um, Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School is my go to spot when I'm looking for all sorts of new things. Yeah, in, in addition to their expert instruction and uh, every clay target game you can imagine, they've got an incredible selection of guns they're an authorized dealer for all the big names and let me just remind you if they don't have it in stock there's a good chance Dave Fiedler one of the proprietors can go to his sources and find it somewhere even if you can't find it anywhere if you're ever in the neighborhood at Mid Valley Clays uh, many of the guns that are for sale are also available to try before you buy go to midvalleyclays.com click on shotguns then scroll down and click on online store that's where you get the full assortment of shotguns available from everybody from beretta to fab arm and siren that lady shooter line of shotguns it's all at midvalleyclays.com and true lock can't say enough great about them these guys they give back in so many ways if you want to learn more about shooting learn more about patterning your gun and how a high quality well-engineered choke tube can help you add a bird or two to your bag go to trulockchokes.com and i spell trulock t-r-u-l-o-c-k so do they Remember, they have a lifetime warranty, satisfaction guarantee. Got a problem? Call them. They'll arrange for you to either get a new version, fix the version you have, you name it. And they've always got a special of one sort. You buy enough choke tubes, you get a free case. Buy enough choke tubes, you get free shipping. It's all available at trulockchokes.com. well i am so excited to have this guy with me because i you can you believe this i live in oregon the eastern border of oregon is hell's canyon I've fished the heck out of that area, but I have never hunted it. And we have the expert for Hell's Canyon and chucker hunting. Grant Ritchie is his name. You reach him and learn more about their chucker hunting trips at com. But that's just the start of the story for him. Grant Ritchie, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. Thank you. You know, um, I'm intrigued, and I have been for years uh, with that area, and I've been invited several times in the last few years and had to turn down the trips for whatever reason. I'm, my knees probably thank me for that. But other than that, you know, tell me about your guide operation, what you guys do over in the you know the small town of Minum, Oregon.
1: Yeah, so at Minum, we do river trips primarily. Yeah. yeah. In the spring, uh, we do whitewater trips, and we transitioned to fly fishing trips for trout and then in the summertime we're doing whitewater trips again and in, in hell's canyon the lower salmon and then in the fall we transitioned to um hunts in hell's canyon and fly fishing trips on the grand ron so it's uh that's that's kind of our, our our year in a nutshell
0: and you know people often think of uh the The snake river as a kind of a sturgeon mecca if you want to call it that and it's all that but it's a lot more than that isn't it yeah it's
1: one of the coolest river trips you can do i mean it's it's got written history going back well if you count Nesper's pictographs you know thousands of years yeah
0: yeah i've seen them
1: yeah if you count petroglyphs those are even older and then the written history since the white man has came into that canyon is is pretty thorough so it's it's just a really cool place that's magnificent in the geology the history and then the whitewater the checker hunting it just has a lot to
0: offer and and just for the record check me on this but i think it's the deepest canyon even beyond deep grand canyon
1: yeah they call it the deepest river gorge in north america so it's
0: something like 8,000 feet deep or something. I feel like I've climbed up half of it once in a while on a fishing trip, but you guys are doing that for chucker hunting trips as well. Why don't you describe, first off, why Hell's Canyon has such an appeal for you guys when it comes to chucker hunting?
1: Well, it's, you know, no matter if it's a good year or a bad year, there's going to be chucker in Hell's Canyon. Mm -hmm. You've got chucker hill after chucker hill, let me rephrase that. So like a normal Chucker Hill, let's say you only need 500 to thousand feet in elevation. Hell's Canyon's got that stacked on, a, on top of each other three times. So you've got Chucker that can go up five, 6,000 feet in elevation. So, so even if the bottom gets hunted a bunch or the top has a bad winter, like there's always Chucker to replenish the population. So it, it tends to be a very reliable and, uh, just uh, an efficient it's just a good it's just good chucker country
0: you know i i described earlier in the podcast a, a recent hunt i did which uh was, you know in chucker country and and it was very uh, what i'll call linear yeah we had to climb but but you you were climbing and covering lots of distance in hell's canyon it's so vertical the the habitats just string themselves up the canyon don't they
1: right and it's the same reason that made good cattle country you know you you have winter pasture you have summer pasture you know and and tucker can move up and down and live wherever they see it fits them best for the time of year in, so in, go ahead but, uh, anyway just uh, they, they can go where the feed is they can go
0: where the water is they got lots of room and they're feeding probably like most chuckers on certain things at certain times a year and you know no matter what i just i killed a bunch of chuckers last week and i opened up the crops on all of them they were either empty or full of cheek grass shoots nothing else do you see anything else out there that they're eating
1: yeah hell's canyon they're they're eating a lot of different stuff so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm you you always see a grasshopper leg or two um there's ground cherries introduced by Mm. homesteaders so you almost you often find a a ground cherry in there um there's uh different sunflower species out there so you see seeds in there so it's actually a lot of different stuff they're eating
0: i'll be darned is that you mentioned ground cherries and uh, there's i know there are wild sunflowers i see them all the time but these introduced crops, I've I've never thought about before.
1: Yeah, so we, uh, tomatillo, ground cherry. I don't know. I'm yeah. not a I'm not a, a plant guy, but, but as far as knowing the exact differentiation, but they look similar. They look yeah. the same. The ground cherry and the tomatillo. So they look yeah. like a little bitty tomatillo. How
0: how about rose hips? Do you have any wild roses out there? And do you find any of that in a bird?
1: Not in the chucker. The, yeah. the rose hips tend to be where there's. Spring or some uh, other water source up high. Yeah. And I don't see it very often in
0: Hell's Canyon. Uh, I found them in, in Valley Quail. In yeah. fact, uh, I'll never forget this. In fact, it was a, a, a canyon called Rosebush Canyon. And it, there was a bush there, bush there, bush there, bush there. Under every bush, there was one quail. Huh. Just pure dumb luck. Um, how about. Um, dogs boats floating for chuckers how does that all work
1: so we move camp every day typically yeah. we, we start at hell's canyon dam well there's two different trips we do we either start at hell's canyon dam take out at pittsburgh landing or we put in pittsburgh landing take out at doug bar but mm-hmm. either way we have a giant 23 foot gear boat that takes all of our stuff downstream two guides go down set up camp um the guys and the clients split their day between fishing and hunting depending on uh just whatever the client wants to do if they want to spend the morning hunting and the afternoon fishing or vice versa or they just want to go hunt you know we, we just split it up however they want to do it
0: nice i know the bag boat's probably a giant raft um right what about the the client boats are they hard side or, or are they rafts as well
1: rafts are typically a better option for big white water yeah and so we run 18 foot rafts that are very stable, have lots of room for, you know, changes of clothes and your hunting gear and fishing gear and, you know, room for three or four dogs or wow. whatever. So, <laughs> um, and we we take our own dogs a lot. Yeah, yeah. But if people want to bring their own dogs, they're welcome to. Um, if if their dogs are not used to chucker country, yeah, they usually only last a day or two. Yep. <laughs> um, so
0: yeah um I, I i just think four dogs in a raft with with somebody on the oars and one or two other guys in there that is a recipe for i don't even want to think about it how do you how do you how do you are you just lucky all the time grant
1: well my dogs go down the river every week all year long yeah. so they're acclimated to the white water they're acclimated to the boats they're acclimated to Health Canyon. Um, client dogs are usually pretty good.
2: Um,
1: occasionally, you'll get one that's a real nervous uh-huh. dog that just wants to jump in the river. You know, after every fish or <laughs> what splash or you know, there's kind of there's you know there's neurotic bird dogs out there. So yeah, you, you, you get those occasionally, and those clients aren't having the best of time as we go down the river because yeah. <laughs> they're just having to keep track of their dog. But but most of the time, dogs are pretty.
0: Pretty cool on the raft. Tell me about your dogs. What have you got?
1: I have two Chesky Foziks.
0: Oh, yeah. I've seen pictures of your dogs in the strangest place. Where was I seeing? At, on one of your rafts, I bet, now that I think about it. Tell me more about the breed. So they're, they're uh, the most popular
1: dog in the Czech Republic. They're, uh, I think, I think I believe they're the national hunting dog, if I remember correctly. Mm. But uh, they... Um uh, they're a wirehaired pointing breed mm-hmm. that uh you know is similar to Griffons. They typically have a little bit tighter coat, maybe a little taller, a little leaner than most Griffons. They can look a lot like some German haired pointers. Yep. Um but what drew me to them was kind of a dual purpose in that the, the club um they really they're really careful about breeding. They there's there's a lot of testing and, um, and then they they also, well, so the testing part, they make sure they're going to be capable in the field. Yeah. So they have to pass their natural ability tests, their intermediate test, similar to NAVDA. Yeah. And then there's also a big emphasis on making it a good family dog. Mm-hmm. So at Minum, you know, we have, you know, thousands of new people, hundreds of dogs that come through our, business in the summertime and i've had dogs that are not friendly and it's not fun so <laughs> you know i wanted dogs that were just easy going around new people new situations and there's a strong emphasis on making them a a, a dual purpose
2: yeah breed and
1: that so so yeah. that's what kind of drawn me drew, drew me to them
0: now you know the th- you said they look a little bit like wire hairs, and I've seen several that that may as well be a German German wirehaired pointer. Some of them are, you know, get confused with some of the wirehaired pointing Griffons and that sort of thing. But is there, you know, how how are you finding enough of those dogs? You got a line on the one breeder in the West or something?
1: It, so there's a North America Breed Club that acts as a co-op, and so you join the club for fifty bucks a year or sixty bucks a year, or whatever it is. And you say i want a dog yeah and and uh there's a certain number of domestic letters and then they also import some dogs from the Czech republic so like my oldest dog i got him at nine months old from i think he came from prague mm. and picked him up in seattle um he was nine months old i had a two-year-old kid at the time and and uh it was pretty cool my, my two-year-old son walked up to him grabbed him by the beard and he just laid down and said okay Whatever you want to do with me, <laughs> so that, that proved to me right there. Like, oh yeah, right. yeah, I think I made a good decision.
0: So, yeah, that's the. I tell you, that is an, the ultimate test, right there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, how do you prepare your dogs? Whether it's an English Pointer or a Chesky Fusek, Um, how do you prepare them for a, a for a chucker hunt? Let alone a Hell's Canyon chucker hunt. I mean, from from training the components of a training program to conditioning. So conditioning wise, they're in Hills Canyon most of the summer with me on
1: the road. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. so they're, they're out there when it's 110 degrees, you know, and they're not going to be running up the hillsides at 110 degrees. You know, they might for a few minutes and they'll jump in the river and cool off, but yeah. they're basically getting acclimated throughout the year on my river trips and taking them on a guided trips is also a great way to instill um, that impulse control yeah. that, I, that I want in a dog so you know we, we do these trips in the summertime with 24 people and they're you know wine and food trips where you're doing a five course dinner each night and all this fancy stuff and I don't want my dog going over and begging you know mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. jumping on people so like throughout the summer it's just a great opportunity for me to train impulse control you know having them lie down what people are eating or, or this or that so, um, our lifestyle lends itself to that quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or, or else, really. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you got clients on the river with you. You got to have a well trained dog. How yeah. About, not,
1: every, not everybody wants a dog in our lap. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How about their pads? Do you do anything to manage pads in Chucker Country?
1: I have not.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, each, I have two dogs now, like I said. And, and, when they were young and first got into the cactus, you know, oh, they, yeah. they look like, you know, uh, uh, a pin cushion, like, a, you know, there's a thousand pins in their mm. legs and paw, pads, but you know, I'm, I'm in it enough that they just avoid it. Yeah. They're just careful about it. Um, I have never had any pad issues and, and like my older dog, you know, I usually hunt him four days a week during the fall during those guided trips. And then in the wintertime, I usually just hunt him two or three days a week. But it's amazing how well he holds up.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I've, I've been really impressed.
0: Well, part of that is, you know, breeding, you know, in the in the broadest sense of the term, I bet. But part of it is also they they pick up those kind of street smarts, the cactus thing. You know, you talk to a lot of pros, and their dogs just, quote, learn, unquote, to avoid cactus. Right, uh, and, and I've I never believed that until I was in New Mexico when I saw it in action and, and even my dog after the third day figured it out
1: <laughs> <laughs> well and and I've kind of been surprised so my male is about 64 65 pounds you know about two foot tall my female is probably about 50 pounds and a yeah. little shorter yeah and I thought her being lighter yeah uh, would make her a little more durable um, for hunt a lot but i don't know my male just seems to his pads and his toes just don't get as sore as hers and and i i, I don't know i just think he a little longer legs he can really place them over cactus and over rocks oh, yeah, and sure it's been kind of interesting
0: yeah you know a, a lot of the the trope is lighter dog fewer pad problems but right but that's pretty simple i get it hey you're listening to the upland nation podcast that's grant ritchie from minamstore.com m-i-n-a-m store.com that's where you talk about a guided chucker hunting trip in hell's canyon i'm scott linden the host here at the upland nation podcast Um, grant let's talk a little bit about strategy and tactics we're going on a we're going on a chucker hunt and and maybe it's hell's canyon or maybe it's something a little bit easier to climb around it. yeah tell us how you you get out you get out of the boat then what
1: so it, it really is going to depend on the time of year and how much rain you've had oh so we'll start our our chucker hunts in on the idaho side of the river uh third sa- saturday in september yeah and you're kind of hoping for those low birds. You know, the birds are still coming down to water quite a bit, unless it's rained a bunch, but they're typically coming down to the water. Um, There's big benches that you only have to do a little bit of elevation gain that you can kind of hunt. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of trying to intersect birds as they come down to the water in September. Yeah. And it works sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) And if it doesn't work, you're just hoping it's cool enough that you can do the elevation gain to find them.
0: Yeah. And by elevation gain, uh, you know, on a typical single hunt, you know, one, one hunt in a morning, it, are you talking 100 feet or 1,000 feet?
1: It really varies. So yeah. you can often find – if early season, if the birds aren't on – or, you know, within 100 or 200 feet of the river, a lot of times they're only like 300 feet from the river. Yeah. You know, they're a lot of times they're not that far – um, but then, if you can go a thousand feet of elevation gain, you know you, you get a chance to get into a lot more birds. Um, and the, some of the hunts we do, you get into rolling grasslands. Yeah. So you can kind of start mixing up with huns and chucker up there. And so if you can if you can do a thousand feet elevation gain, that's going to give you the best hunt
0: for sure. How do we get in shape for a thousand foot of elevation gain?
1: <laughs> well. You know, there's stair climber. I actually have a stair climber, yeah. uh, and if I don't get a hunt enough, I try to I try to use that. And then early season, I try to use that. Um, but it's just, you know, you just gotta you just gotta do it. Get your legs and your lungs in shape. And the one thing that impresses me, um, we get people coming from all over the country, and you know, sometimes the first day they're like, "Who put all these damn rocks under the grass?" You know. <laughs> and and they get stronger and better every day. Yeah. And and so, you know, the first day, you know, you might have somebody that only gains 300 feet in elevation. Second day they might do 500. You know, by the end of the trip they might be doing 1, a 1000-1200 feet of elevation and they actually get stronger even in just a week of doing it.
0: You know, the other thing I noticed and even with me and and we were talking off mic about snow you know yep. what it's like when there's a foot of snow on the ground. You find every rock because you land right on the top of it and slide off. Yep. Well, I think people, like your dogs, they become smarter walkers. Absolutely. Yeah, <clears throat> They avoid a lot of that stuff. They learn to follow the cow paths when there are some. All those things actually matter if you're doing three or four days of hunting, don't they?
1: Yep. <clears throat> So I, I got to tell you that uh, you're talking about conditions yeah. this year, the Oregon opener was actually our toughest chucker hunt we've had in a long time. And there had been, we had, you know, huge forest fire. I think it was 170,000 acres or something that burned most of Hell's Canyon and all the way over into Willow County into the in Naha drainage. And, but then we had a bunch of rain. And when we did our Oregon chucker opener, the, the second Saturday, October, there was a, a mat of two to three inches of fresh green grass
0: everywhere wow
1: and and the shadowy slopes held dew and so the birds were just all up high and they were just like yeah we're not going to come down you know and so it, anyway condi- conditions can really make it difficult at times but uh I was that was the most green i've ever seen in early october you know it's year. funny
0: <clears throat> i'm a little colorblind so i can't see green stuff Um, And and that was one of the most mind-boggling aspects about cleaning those birds I was talking about earlier. We were walking around and getting on our knees, you know, periodically, and we couldn't find any cheatgrass shoots. Yet those birds were stuffed. I mean, I, I emptied one crop. Just take your fist, cut it in half. That's how many shoots were in that bird's crop. It, it was amazing they are so good at finding that stuff but you know then there's the lazy ones and hopefully you find them on those mats like you said um yeah. our, <clears throat> what about um fire have you ever found birds in recently burnt ground
1: we have seen them but you know to get close enough is going to be pretty tough the only, the only way you're going to get no cover right yeah the only way you get close enough when there's no cover is if there's enough broken rock uh-huh you know so if there's a big rock jumble where there's just lots of you know six inches to two foot tall boulders you know they can hide in that but if there's no cover it's it's just hard to approach them they'll be they'll be they'll they'll go out there and feed but it's it's just hard to get to them
0: all right, so let's talk about that for a minute before the break and 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 that is this whole idea of where rocks fit into a chucker's life or lifestyle. Um, you know, one of the, you know, the again, one of the uh, kind of the, the clichés is uh, don't even hunt if you can't see rim rock or exposed rocks. Uh, mainly bigger stuff. But where do you where would you put rocks in the hierarchy of a chucker's uh lifestyle?
1: I think they're pretty important. I often see where they've been roosting at night yeah. in talus slides and, and rock bluffs. You know, occasionally, I'll see them out in just bunch grass and stuff like that, but I don't know. They, they seem to like to roost in that rock.
0: You know, uh, same thing. I agree. I wonder if it's the heat coming out of them at night. Could, could be. Uh, there's obviously some some protection from avian predators. Uh,
1: I think I think they don't mind, you know, roosting in an open area too, yeah, because yeah. then if a bobcat or a coyote comes along, they they can see it approach or hear it approach and and have a chance to get out of there. So. Yeah,
0: well, it's a mystery to me, but I do know that uh, usually, if you want chuckers, you got to find rocks. Well, it are, helps. Are there other aspects of the habitat that are important? Uh, uh, you know, uh, certain uh, height on the sagebrush. Uh, I used to tell everybody if if there were juniper trees you'll never find birds and i've been proven wrong on that but uh what are the other aspects of chucker habitat that that are so critical
1: so we don't have a lot of sage um and and so it really is you know uh for one finding a the, the best success i find is if you have a permanent water source yeah with enough steep ground um and even closer to home, I you know, I hunt a lot of different drainages that are just I just look on the maps for a big south facing slope that's big enough and and has a permanent water source, whether it's stock ponds up top, a creek at the bottom, um yeah i
0: think those are the main things well there you have it that's grant richie from the Minem store my name is scott linden we're at the upland nation podcast Uh, grant you get a moment to put your feet up i'll make one quick announcement and then we'll be back to the talking about chucker hunting strategies tactics and all that other fun stuff especially the magic of hell's canyon so stick around here's our first break of the day for sage and breaker Dot com. just talking to fred bohm the founder of sage and breaker he's out there chasing Murns coil all month and i might have to visit him next month right at the tail end of the season but we'll see anyway many of their uh, the, you know they they, ha- they make heirloom quality products for gun care storage their new shotgun case is a case in point the best leathers the best canvases an incredible lining that will wick away moisture it's all right there lifetime warranty they got a new gear bag or range bag coming up if you were on the mailing list you got advance notice of the recent sale on that gun cleaning combo don't miss out sign up now for the mailing list at sageandbreaker.com. Welcome back. Grant Ritchie, MinemStore.com is where you learn more about all their trips, virtually all year, probably not in the middle of winter, but everywhere else. Grant, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast again. You are snowed in. I am rained out. We're both hoping that'll change real soon. Tell me, what does snow do to a chucker hunt?
1: What I see on the first few snows is that if, if there's pockets of brush, uh, those chucker will go into those pockets of brush. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we have hawthorn thickets and other various uh, species of brush, but, but they'll, they'll just kind of, they'll, they'll see cover. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot more snow last week in colder weather and looking out my office window, I had about four days, four mornings in a row. I had 20 to 30 chucker dropping down and I was watching them just kind of work through the snow and they just, they were just looking for little open pockets to, to reach under the under the snow and grab some grass or some seeds or whatever. But when I'm, you know, and I didn't hunt those. I was just kind of letting them be. But when I'm out there hunting on a fresh snow, I, I usually look for some cover.
0: Yeah. You know, the other thing I, I learned again last week was, uh, you know, another cliche is, oh, when the snow's up there, get right below the snow line wherever that is in our case it was nowhere it was all snow no line but uh, but there were bare patches in spots and and we'd look for those whether they had cover on them or not uh, probably we didn't have the luxury but bare ground because they can only work so hard through so much snow isn't that right
1: yeah if you have a big south facing slope that'll burn off that's obviously a, a, a magnet for them but i have found when there's not that if you find those that if you get at the top where you get that windblown top mm. I, I have seen chucker consistently going to those windblown tops there's just a little green shoots coming up underneath the snow and they'll great you can't you can't hunt them no but if you flush them maybe you can flush them into some cover you know
0: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm looking up that ridge that i was on a week and a half ago and, and my dog was up there too but um, we never got there in time. Yeah, uh, that, can you steady your dogs to those hinky wild birds? I mean, do they get do they get more wary over the season? And can you do anything with your dogs? I'm I'm resolved to keep him at heel more often.
1: I go back and forth. i I don't think I don't think the birds get more wily huh. throughout the season. I don't think they're quite that smart. I, there are a lot of places I'll only chucker hunt once a year, but there's still places close to home that I might chucker hunt once a week sometimes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's more condition based. So if there's a bunch of snow on the ground and there's not much cover, like I remember last year, just just irritated me to no end. I'd get, I just, my dog would go on point from a pretty long distance and I'd start coming up over and they'd flush 100 yards out and they'd just start landing in open. Grass or yeah. open snow yeah with no grass or anything, and so that that's really aggravating. But when it comes to you know, if I see some birds flush, and do I let my dog go try to point them? I you know I go back and forth. If I've got a young dog, sometimes I just let them go and, and just just for the learning experience. My older dog, he is such a chucker ninja now. You know, I think they land one spot they're 50 yards in another spot you know and so i i I tend to let him go and and he tends to not bust them um and even my young dog she's she's gotten really good this third season she's only two and a half but so i I, i'm more on letting them go most of the time
0: yeah let the birds teach the dog
1: yep and and they've just gotten better each season you know yeah um, the older they get the, the more effective it is
0: oh can't argue that at all um I uh, we aren't quite there yet, but that's another story for another time. Um, let's 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 talk a little bit more about uh, tactics. Um, you got a dog on point. Um, you're walking uphill, probably towards that dog and the birds, but maybe not. And I, I, I only bring that up for the usual reasons. What are you going to do? You spot a dog on point. What are you going to do with your hunters?
1: I try to get them it, it... downhill typically i try to get them downhill my dog 30 yards um unless the wind's like coming you know if you got a big downslope and i think the birds are above my dog
2: yeah
1: then i just have one person you know 15 yards left one person 15 yards to the right and we just work up um and 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 assume those birds are uphill the dog but i try to get downhill of birds Mm. whenever
0: possible yeah for the the reason that i'm going to cite or for any other number of reasons that you have
1: well, they, they they tend to flush downhill, and yeah. they uh, that gives you, you know, it gives you a little bit of time to get your gun up while they're flushing yeah. down. Yep. If if they're if you're above them and they're 15 yards below you, and they flush, they might be at 40 yards before you get your gun up, and it's like, oh, that was that was fun.
0: Oh, and they're over the ridge already too.
1: <laughs> right, or ducking behind a rim, or
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what what about you give your hunters any advice before they show up to practice at the sporting clays range on, you know, bounding rabbits or anything like that.
1: I have not, that might be a good thing to do. I, I mo- we mostly focus on trying to get conditioning in. Yeah. Um, just try to tell them to, you know, get used to gaining elevation if you can, you know, if you got some uneven terrain, you know, some people just, like I said, the rocks can be difficult. So it's more about trying to get them used, ready for some of that terrain. Yeah.
0: What is the magic of chucker hunting I mean why, why do you do it I mean because you, you do it professionally but you also said you just go out to do it I'm the yeah. same way uh, what is it about that that trips your trigger you
1: you, you see beautiful places you, you get a watch good dogs work and those are the top two things but you know I, I my mental health is always better when I get out and just walk <laughs> <laughs> If I get to do it behind a good dog and some beautiful places, that's, that's all the better.
0: You know, I, I joke about it, and I'm lucky enough to, to sell stories to magazines once in a while, and, and usually they come with a picture or two of one of my friends sitting on a rock pondering the universe, and in the background is, you know, a thousand feet down a big flat or something like that. What do you think about when you're up there with just you and your dog?
1: it tends to simplify things and you you think less, you know, the modern world is so full of constant uh, messages and phone calls and emails. And just, it's not the greatest thing in my opinion. So I I love to get out there and I didn't, I don't know if you know this, but Hell's Canyon, my, my great, great grandpa moved into Hell's Canyon in the late 1800s. And so I had my great, great grandpa there, my great grandpa, my grandma, my dad, uh, so it, it's part of it for me is walking those same hills oh, yeah. and seeing that same country they did 130, 40 years ago. You know, and they were just they were cowboys, but you know we're doing it doing it for a different reason now. But it's it's a connection to that land and that history, and I don't know I gained a lot from that.
0: No, I can I hear you. You know, I'll be up on a spot, and there will be one of those rock cairns that the Basque sheep herders up. You guys ever have those out there? Yeah, had sheep, sheep in Hell's Canyon for a long time over there. Yeah, um, It's always cool because you think you're the only guy who's ever been to that spot and then there's a teepee ring.
1: Yep. The first time I ever gained a bunch of elevation out of Hell's Canyon I went up about 2,500 feet or so and you've got some old geology that's two three million years old and then you've got younger geology, the basalt that's like 15-16 million years old there's a big bench yeah. where those two things meet and there's water that's forced out and so he got up i got up 2500 feet elevation and there's an old foundation and <sighs> i'm still sitting in the middle of it and a bed spring and it's like huh well somebody lived here at one time
0: <laughs> you, you you wonder how the heck they what first off why the heck they moved there and second how they got everything there but yeah but well, we we don't see the roads although if you look from a distance you can sometimes see what was a road at some point which is kind of cool too yeah
1: there's in, in hells canyon they had they typically had their winter cabin and their summer oh, cabin yeah. so they had a a low place for the winter And then they had a summer place up high as a group they just move their cattle or sheep up up high in elevation as the summer progressed and then you know so they just go up and down so yeah but the first time i went up there was like what the
0: heck (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i know the feeling um let's talk about we clients of yours (laughs) um without naming names unless you really want to get revenge what are some of the dumbest things that some of your clients have done on a chucker hunt
1: Uh, Typically, when people sign up for a four or five day chucker hunt, the dumb ones weed themselves out. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the vast majority of the clients have been really fun and enjoyable. Um, I can't think, honestly, I, I, I can't think of something really dumb a chucker hunter has done because they're kind of coming in there for something new and they, mm. they they typically, either they're coming in for something brand new they've never done or they're an avid chucker hunter that wants to see some new country. And so either way, they tend to be pretty good people. And it's it's typically a
0: lot of fun. You know, I just wrote a story, and I talked about uh, etiquette. (laughs) And one of the things I talked about was don't show up unprepared. You're just going to screw up everybody else's trip. And uh, it sounds like that's what you're really talking about.
1: Yeah, so we give them a packing list as far as this gear. But then, you know, we also talk about, you know, what kind of shape they're in. And, you know, we get families, you know, father-son's uh, combos where, you know, the sons might be just raring to gain 2,500 feet of elevation. And the dad's like, you know, I'll shoot any low birds, but I don't need to go up there. And and they, it's just – Hell's Canyon is such a great experience. So, yes, the chucker hunting can be great, but you're going down the deepest gorge in North America – you've got awesome geology you've got an amazing amount of history and it's it's just such a great trip whether you want to go up 2500 feet in elevation or if you just want to look for low birds so we just try to meet the clients at their expectation of what they're willing to do
0: and they can always pick up a fly rod Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Um, how about your dog? What do you do uh, during a hunt? Uh, when do you feed? Do you give them anything during the day? What do you do after a hunt? Uh, make sure that the dogs are going to be good for the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day.
1: So I, I hunt both my dogs at the same time. Yeah. Well, I, should, I should say – I take them both at the same time and if it's early season and hot, I only let one dog work at a time. Yeah. So I keep one dog at heel, let one dog work and I try not to let them go till they're hot. Um, and then when I see an opportunity moment, I'll put, you know, that dog on heel, release the other dog. And so I really try to switch them out um, to keep them cooler, uh, keep their pads, you know, w- you know, less wear on their pads. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's my main tactic as far as the dogs. And, you know, I, I talked about my older dog. Um, he, he, I don't know if I said this, but he ranges a lot bigger and a lot faster uh-huh. than a female. Okay. My female typically goes at a fast trot to a, a, a lope, but she, her typical range is like 50 to hundred yards. Yeah. She'll go out to 200 yards if she really smells something and, and she's getting enough confidence to go out there now, but she typically is like 50 to hundred yards. My male, you know, he likes to be 100 to 300 yards. <laughs> and so what I found is that actually my female in the early season is like a little ace in the hole on hot weather. So, like, I'll just put my male on heel and just let my female just work and work and work. And she's just – she adjusts her pace to the heat really well. Wow. Where, where my male will just, you know, he just wants to go. He's like, all right, no, I got to go, you know, Mach 4 here and there and then I'm like alright you gotta go and heal for an hour because you, you got way too hot
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so there's a big difference in their personalities and their range and then feeding wise I give my dogs as much food as they want to eat um, they typically like to eat with me with them so we get done with the hunt uh, we get on the raft I put out their food and I'll let one dog eat and I usually go through the other dog and check paws and look for any stickers and that kind of stuff and then just let them let them eat as much as they want, and then I'll uh, put it away if there's other dogs around. And, yeah, and they yeah. usually just sleep on the boat. And I and I I uh, I give them eggs in the morning. So i they don't like to eat in the morning on a yeah. sucker hunt.
2: Yeah.
1: So I'll scramble up some eggs, and i got you know seventy free range chickens at home, so I got plenty of eggs, and so I just <laughs> I, I had I had eggs to their diet during the, the
0: hunts. I'm with you on that. Uh, I don't have the chickens and I'm grateful for that. But, but I I found that the best energy food in the world for my dog that he will eat when he's hunting is egg yolks. Yeah. (laughs) They get a little messy when you put them in your vest pocket, but I I get a little squeeze tube and I put three or four of those in there. And over the course of the day, I'll just give him a squirt or two out of that egg yolk sack. (laughs) And and it's handy and it's, it's like instant energy because egg yolks are 90% fat. Huh. so there you go I haven't heard that one I'll, I'll have to try that yeah try that but you, I mean you're you're already on the right track and the other half the egg white is almost all protein so yeah. they're getting a little bit of each there and it you know maybe not worth the trouble um, but uh, so if they would eat in the morning would you actually feed them in the morning
1: yeah and I, and I do try to feed them in the morning yeah. and if I don't have other dogs that are aggressive around food yeah. I'll, I'll leave food out all all day or oh, yeah. whenever we're in camp yeah yeah um my other guides my their dogs freely share with my dogs and so you know that's not a big deal it's just more if we have client dogs that are oh you know,
0: man yeah. An yeah, issue, so. yeah yeah you know you sound like you're you're right out of a movie or something all the dogs get along they don't jump out of the raft at every rising fish you know i, I, want, <laughs> I want a couple of those um uh, <laughs> what about essential gear you know we talk about this a lot we're going out for a whole day you know we're going to go all the way up and then turn around come all the way back a lot of water um how do you carry it and then what else is in your vest that we might not think about bringing so i try to keep it you know you try to keep it as light as possible but still have what you need so
1: i i take like three or four liters of water Mm -hmm. um and i i really if i'm going to go high and i know it's going to be warm i try to plan my hunt to cross a spring yeah. mid midday. Um that can be a real game changer if you got if you can get another four liters of water halfway through the day. Yeah. If it's hot. Um I take uh, uh, uh in reach, so if there's an emergency I can yep. SOS. I take um the I'm forgetting the name of it. It's the gauze that, like if somebody had if it was yeah. a gunshot wound, yeah. you can basically stick to hemostatic gauze. Yeah. I have some heated the static gauze. Um, and then, you know, other than that, I try to keep it just to uh, the essentials. Uh, I'll, if it's hot and I'm trying to conserve water, I'll take a collapsible water bowl mm. so I'm not wasting water by squirting out of the water bottle. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I just I try to keep it pretty simple.
0: You know, I'm going to start doing that. Everybody I know does it except me. I just squirt it out and then I watch it all drip off their beard onto the ground. I do that most of the year. I do. But when it's good and hot, I
1: carry the water bowl just just because it really does save you a lot of water.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know the other thing it does, and and, and hey, with clients sometimes this is the best part about it. You got to stop, and, and in in one case, my my most frequent hunting buddy, he has to take his vest off, dig the little collapsible bowl out of the vest, fill it, set it on the ground, so he gets a five minute break too. Yep. Everybody can look at the view they can get a good look at their dog's feet if they need to and uh, th- those kind of things really start mattering it's not just because it's a hard hunt or a long hunt but because then you have a chance a moment to reflect
1: yeah and, and people want a chance to pull out their phone and take some photos yeah. and you know look at look at the landscape and it's it's a it's an awe-inspiring landscape typically for chucker hunting so
0: absolutely hope hopefully i'll get there next season that's my goal that's grant Ritchie. he's with the minam store i'll spell that again for you m-i-n-a-m store.com whether it's a fishing trip a whitewater trip or my passion and maybe yours too a chucker hunting trip on hell's canyon or some of the other great uh waterways in that country visit grant at minamstore.com grant we got to do this again we're just getting started on this i hope you have a great uh tail end of the season be safe out there and thanks for being part of the upland nation podcast
1: appreciate it scott
0: take care bye okay bye. we have still got the handle it segment coming up i talked about that earlier what praise is and isn't and yeah if you're intrigued so was i that's why i came up with the idea but first a word from pointer shotguns yeah they got a new website pointershotguns.com i know and it works it's wonderful and they've got a little bit of everything you'll get your first word on the new side-by-side when you go there not yet but soon, you'll also be able to browse the entire selection of pointer shotguns from the target guns to the deluxe versions to the starter guns. It's all right there, pointershotguns.com. Find a nearby retailer. They've always got something in stock and they're always shipping out to dealers. So, unlike some of those other folks who get a load once or twice a year, pointer shotguns are available and coming in. All the time. A work of art at a price that's a thing of beauty. That's PointerShotguns.com. Handle it. (coughs) Yeah, so um, talk a lot about praise when it comes to dog training. And even in the field, I'm still doing it all the time. Just yesterday, we had seven bird contacts right outside the back door and for everyone yes even with flick who's five years old i was giving him positive reinforcement of one sort or another every time he held that point for the wing shot and fall worked great thank you good boy but praise is not a release and if um If you're guilty of this, you're in good company because a lot of people are. You know, that dog does whatever he does. He comes back to you when he's called. He holds a point, whatever it is. And then he has learned that good boy or attaboy or yes or whatever your praise is also means hunt on. Well, it probably shouldn't. A great wolf behaviorist reminded me a while back that there needs to be a pause between praise and release or else they're conflated and that means sometimes you're gonna miss a single or the next Covey which is you know not that far away so have a release word that is separate and distinct from your praise words that'll help your dog stay on track and paying attention to you the whole time, not just until you take the bird out of his mouth. Hey, you know there's more of that, among other things, at findbirdhuntingspots.com. There's lots of, lots of advice from some of the pros out there, in the section called Your Bird Dog. So go ahead and take a look, and welcome aboard Midway USA. Yeah, you know who they are. MidwayUSA.com, Larry Potterfield and everybody else over there. Yeah. They have just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, and they're hoping that you will take a look at their website, MidwayUSA.com. From dummy launchers to boots, electric collars, you name it, they've got it, and their pricing is extremely competitive. 20,000 products will ship free. I personally know Larry. He's a role model supporting our sport and the Second Amendment. Learn more about the company and their growing selection of bird hunting products, dog training products, dog care gear. It's all there at MidwayUSA.com. Well, thank you all for paying attention. Thank you, Grant Ritchie, for all those insights pro chucker guide. Hopefully, we can eat up some time in Hell's Canyon. If you want to learn more about Grant and his Chucker guiding operation, go to mynamstore.com. Hey, if you commented at social media platforms, I appreciate that. Always fun to see what you're doing and thinking about. If you left a rating or a review, a review don't review that. <laughs> appreciate that, that's how we grow were made possible by these folks i thank all of them every week for the very same reasons sage and breaker gun care products pointer shotguns mid-valley clays midway usa and true lock chokes i hope you enjoyed the program thanks for listening i'm scott linden see you in the field